Good evening, everyone. Thank you very much for coming this evening. We're reading from Sri Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha. Uh, we're in the 29th Anucheda, this part of the Krishna Sandarbha. Jiva Goswami is uh, validating, first validating the statement Krishna's too by Bhagavan Swayam by looking at its context within the narration of the Srimad Bhagavatam coming in the third chapter of the first chapter, first, third, third chapter of the first canto, uh, wherein uh, uh, Sutta Goswami is responding to the qu- questions of the sages, and he's gone through a list of avatars, and then he's concluded with this 30, 28th verse of the third chapter, Iti Chamsa Kalapumsa Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swaya. Indrari, Vyakulam Lokam, Mridayanti, Yuge, Yuge. So Jiva Goswami's worked us up to this point where this verse has been introduced and now he's validating the verse. And after he's validated the verse for us, he's going on to show us how statements within the Bhagavatam itself or narrations within the Bhagavatam themselves may seem to contradict this statement of Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. When we come to such statements or such narrations within the Bhagavatam, it is necessary as Gaudiya Vaishnavas to see those narrations or those verses through by illuminating them with the light of the Paribas Sutra, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. So he's giving us, given us a few verses, first of all, in this uh, 29th Anucheda, and he's shown how those verses should be seen in light of the Paribas Sutra of the Srimad Bhagavatam. And now he has taken us to the point of the introduction of a of a of a lila, and he's going to sh- relate that lila as it was given in the Srimad Bhagavatam, and he's going to show how a gaudiya taking the light of the Parivas Sutra will give us a full explanation of that lila in the light of that sutra. So we started on this in the last discussion, and in the last discussion, we basically went over the narration of this Mahakalapura event, which comes at the the very end of the uh, tenth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. Uh, there's two events in this chapter from the Bhagavatam that um, give evidence to the fact that the Supreme Lord, the Supreme Lord within the universe is Vishnu or Krishna. And the first event in the chapter is, of course, um, who was 
who was sent to uh, test the three Rigamuni was was sent to test the three uh, Guna avatars to see which one was actually supreme. So that's the first narration in the chapter. And then the second narration in the chapter is this event of the Mahapurusha actually stealing children uh, from their parents upon birth. So the experience of that theft by the parents was their children had died at childbirth. So this happened repeatedly. I guess Mahavishnu wasn't really getting attention. He had to repeat it year after year. So this happened for eight consecutive years. And then the Brahmin who was losing his children, said there's only one reason for this, this loss that I'm experiencing, that my wife and I are experiencing. The management's faulty. <laughs> the monarchy that's leading the kingdom that I'm living in must be engaged in some... some they just they don't have any piety because I know I'm a pious Brahmin and my wife's pious and... You know, there's no reason that every single child should be taken from us year after year after year after year. For eight years, it's a long time. And he got a little vocal and started to, uh, you know, uh, malign the character of the leaders of the community of the of the uh, of the kingdom. So Arjuna said being of a Kshatriya nature, said, no worries, this won't happen again. I assure you, this won't happen again. I'll personally guarantee it. So he went there at the time of the childbirth. He did all his Kshatriya things and used all his protective weaponry, mantras and things to protect the whole house uh, and stood guard to make sure that no one was going to come and take the next child. And sure enough, the child was born and then disappeared into the sky. <laughs> so Arjuna was perplexed, He, but he said, well, I'll resolve it still, and um, I'll find out who's taken the children. And of course, he went to the, the top. The first person on his list would be Yamaraj, because... Yamaraj is known for taking people uh, out of their bodies or taking them. Uh, so he went there and Yamaraj said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't taken any children. They're not on my list. I have not sent my agents to do anything on my, any bidding on my behalf in regards to this Brahmin's children. So you're going to have to look elsewhere and... Uh, Arjuna did the best he could throughout the universe and came up empty. So in coming up empty, he he goes back to the kingdom and he's ready to commit suicide. He's failed as a kshatriya, as a leader, as a monarch, as as a fan, as as part of the of the leadership. And he 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 gave his word. I will make sure this doesn't happen again. He wasn't able to keep his word, so therefore he is ready to take his life. And Krishna said. No, please. Ah, 
I'll figure it out. <laughs> so they figured it out, and and Krishna and Arjuna went out to the full extent of the universe. They went beyond where the sun even shines into the darkness. And uh, Krishna lit up the way and brought in his, his special chariot with his Vaikuntha horses. Uh, so these, and they went to the abode of uh, Mahavishnu. Within the narration, Mahavishnu is referred to as Mahakala, and his place of residence is Mahakalapura. So there are some verses that were spoken by Mahavishnu, and one could come away from a reading of those verses with a certain meaning that Mahavishnu was conveying um, in the discourse between himself and Krishna and Arjuna. That meaning that you would come away from from a net from a from a literal reading of the verses would not conform with an understanding that Krishna is Swayam Bhagavan, the supreme manifestation of the Lord. So Jiva's using this narration and specifically those verses to show how those verses can be illuminated using the light of the Parivas Sutra and seen in the context of the Siddhanta <coughs> of the Brahma Madhva Gaudiya Sampradaya. So I'm going to read, begin reading where we left off in our last discussion. It should not be conjectured that the presiding lord of Mahakalapura, Mahavishnu, had himself imparted just such a direct instruction to Krishna when he said, Being desirous of seeing the two of you, Krishna and Arjuna, I had the sons of the Brahmana brought here. You are both my parts, Kala, who have descended upon the earth for the preservation of Dharma. After killing the Asuras, who are a burden to the earth, quickly return here once again to me. So that's from the 89th chapter, the 59th verse. That statement made by Mahavishnu. So Jiva says, first of all, it should not be conjectured that this statement is itself a direct statement. So it doesn't fall into that category of a Shruti statement. So a Shruti statement is a direct statement. There's nothing, it's just direct. It's like it stands on its own. 
It doesn't require us to interpret it. It doesn't require any of the different um, in understandings of statements that can be made uh, it's the topmost understanding itself so prior to where we're beginning to today jiva had introduced the idea of the jamini sutra so the jamini sutra is a sutra which tells us as students of literature or scripture, just as students who would read different statements, it tells us the different level of levels of acceptance of the authority of a statement. Basically, it, it goes, it, it's just, it, it itself is a sutra that says, this is the way you understand statements in literature. There are direct statements, shruti. There are linga statements, uh, inferential marks. There's vakyas, parakarnas, stana, samakya, and all these different kind of statements or sentences, you could say, uh, clauses uh, within uh, a literature become weaker and weaker and ultimately they all depend on what is a Shruti statement. So we start off with something like Krishna Stu Bhagavan Swayam, and then there's other statements that will come that don't carry that much weight, but ultimately refer back to that to get their strength, to get their validity, or what we would say, uh, praman, pramano evidential weight. Now, the reason I'm repeating that is because that has a lot to do with where we're beginning tonight. It should not be conjectured, is what Jeeva is saying, that the presiding Lord of Mahakala, Mahavishnu, had himself imparted just such a direct instruction to Krishna. In other words, this statement from this Leela that I'm going to relay here, don't think that this carries the same weight as, a, as the Shruti statement, Krishna's to Bhagavan Swayam. Doesn't. Although it's coming from the lips of Mahavishnu, it doesn't carry the same weight. And he's going to explain why it doesn't carry that weight. He's going to break it apart and break, first of all, the context that it's delivered in. He's going to break down the, he's even going to go so far, far as to break down the individual words in the statement uh, using Sanskrit 
hermeneutics and show how they it can't be taken. So he's he's really going to go at this statement and in doing so try to educate us as to how to understand statements in scripture in light of something like a Parivasutra. The Parivasutra is a sutra that, that's accepted within a Sampradayic teaching, like we accept as Gaudiya's this statement, Krishna stu Bhagavan Swayam. Other Vaishnavas may not accept it, but we do. And we do because our Acharyas say we must. And we must because they're trying to give us a conception of the supreme absolute personality of Godhead that in their estimation will most nourish our understanding of the Supreme Lord and nourish our development of a loving relationship with him. So they have they, they're on a mission. And therefore, part of that mission entails educating us so we do not misinterpret scriptural statements that seem to, that seem to contradict the Parivas Sutra, which is core to Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So, Jiva begins by saying this statement by, Var- by Mahavishnu is not the same as a Parivas Sutra, even though Vishnu himself is speaking it. So what's the statement again? I'm going to read it again. Being desirous of seeing the two of you, Vishnu says, I'm desirous of seeing the two of you. I had the sons of the Brahmanas brought here. You are both my parts who have descended upon the earth for the preservation of Dharma. After killing the Asuras, who are a burden to the earth, quickly return here once again to me. And Vishwu, I'm sorry, (laughs) Jiva Goswami now proceeds to, to give us, well, what's this? Okay, if it, if it's not a direct statement, Sounds pretty direct. You know, it sounds like Krishna, you and Arjuna, you came here. I stole the Brahmanas. I mean, it sounds like. So why isn't, how do I understand this statement? Jiva says, okay, this is is how you have to understand it. This is not to be interpreted as a direct instruction. It's not, it's not, he's not instructing Krishna and Arjuna. Because in his, Mahavishnu's request, it is not the intent of the Mahapurana to portray him as a preceptor of the absolute reality. In the context of the Mahapurana, where this statement is made, Mahavishnu has not been put forth in the literature as a preceptor of transcendental knowledge. He's not been put forth in the narration as a personality who's imparting knowledge. He's just having a conversation. It's not like there's a student that's taken shelter of him and ask him a question 
and he's responding to that question with by imparting transcendental knowledge. So that's the first thing Jiva says. It is not the intent of this Mahapurana to portray him as a preceptor of the absolute reality. Like Sri Sutta Goswami and others, since Sri Krishna is unfailingly omniscient, these are the reasons why. One, he's talking to Krishna. Krishna is himself, however you accept him, but he's, he's God. He's a manifestation of the Supreme. So he doesn't need anybody's instruction. Whether you accept him as Swayam Bhagavan or not, he's still an avatar. At the very least, he's an avatar, I guess is the better way to put it. So at the very least, he's an avatar, and he doesn't require any instruction. He's omniscient. One. So that's the first one. Sutta Goswami, on the other hand, he was, inquiries were made from him as a guru. How, what's this? What's that? Could you please expand, explain the different manifestations and avatars of the Lord? Uh, and on and on, the sages of Namasharanya had a lot of questions to be answered. Two. Since there is no mention of any such prior relation as instructor and instructed between Mahavishnu and Krishna, there's no. This hasn't been set up as a guru-disciple type of a dialogue. Next, and since Mahavishnu himself states in the same verse that he has a different motive, he states in the verse himself. A different motive. His motive is not to enlighten Krishna. What was his motive? Quote, Being desirous of seeing the two of you, I had the sons of the Brahmana brought here. Now, we see in the Bhagavatam certain circumstances and leelas where it's the intent of a devotee or the Lord himself to impart instructions. Like we have uh, was it Chitra Ketu who wanted a son? And Angira Muni went to him and wanted to instruct him and enlighten him in transcendental knowledge and saw that it wasn't possible. But that was the intent of his going there. And then the whole thing plays out and finally he comes back with Narda and at that point, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, I can't remember the words, but you'll have a son, but he'll bring you pleasure and pain. And the pain came, and then, then he could be enlightened. And the, and the, but the whole narration in the Leela is presented as, as a way of showing that the intent of Angira and later Narda was to enlighten Chitraketu. So Jiva's saying, that's not happening here. What's the intent of this Leela? Mahavishnu wanted to see Krishna and Arjuna. There's no instruction. It wasn't like he wanted to bring them there to instruct them. That wasn't the intent. 
being desirous of seeing the two of you, I had the sons of the Brahmana brought here. Moreover, Jiva continues, the words used in the Lord of Mahakalapura's directive are closely related to another meaning which we will be stated later. Jiva's just saying, there's more to come, but I'm going to continue in this trend of thought that we're discussing now. But as we go through my presentation of the Krishna Sandarbha, I'm going to explain even other things that will make it more, more self-evident. He continues. This is going to go on for a while, this unpacking and explanation. And we'll come away with this with a, with a pretty deep appreciation for when we study scripture, when we, we, need to, we need to pay attention to what's being said, where it's being said, how it's being said, who it's being said to, in one context it's being related so that we can understand and we don't misapply just one thing for another. We want to walk away from Scripture with a deeper appreciation and love for the Lord. And there's a lot of instructions in Scripture for us that allow us to do that. And there's a lot of dialogue in there that just introduces us or presents a leela which may or may not be in the context of imparting a direct instruction. It may be indirect. It may be just a, just a leela. To, it may be presenting knowledge in general. Then again, Jiva continues, we may even consent saying, let it be so. All right, Jiva's saying, okay, so you don't like what I'm saying here. Okay, I consent, let it be so. Or may you be thus appeased. Sometimes in instruction, you just have to go with the mentality of your audience. You're not able to, to sway them. So he's saying, okay, let me, let's look at this from a different angle. And he continues, and in so doing, admit, accepting what you may think, that Sri Krishna is less complete than Mahavishnu. Understandable. He's trying to appease those that think the supreme manifestation of the, of the Lord has to be that Lord from which everything emanates. He has to be superior to any manifestation of himself which may appear within his universes. They all sprang from him and all of a sudden you're saying this one particular avatar is more significant than the source of all the avatars that appeared in the universe, the source of all the universes themselves, the source of all the material elements, the source of all the jivatmas. And you're saying Krishna's too, Bhagavan Swayam? So Jiva's saying, okay, all right, I'll go along with that, but hear me out. And he continues. Nonetheless, it will be shown in Anucheta 90, when we get there, I'm going to show you something, that all the avatars are eternally situated in their own intrinsic forms. 
in their own respective eternal abodes, accompanied by their own eternal associates. So now he's saying, I'm going to develop and introduce you to more knowledge as we go forward in Krishna Sandarbha, and you're going to see that all the different avatars in themselves are complete as far as their spiritual forms, qualities, pastimes. So they exist in Vaikuntha and they come through the agency. I don't want to get ahead of myself in explaining it, but they come through the agency of Mahavishnu into the material universes. So Krishna, if you're going to, if you're going to say Krishna isn't, isn't as magnificent, isn't as powerful, isn't Swayam Bhagavad, but Mahavishnu certainly appears to be, you know, coming as a manifestation of Mahavishnu. As we go into the Krishna Sandarbha and I begin to unpack these meanings for you, you're going to see that actually all the avatars have their own place in Vaikuntha. So you're going to have a different, different understanding of when we say all the avatars come through Mahavishnu, Mahavishnu is the agent by which they manifest within the material universes. In Anarcheta 90, we're not, it, it, Jiva says we're not going to get our ahead of ourselves yet. Furthermore, according to the opinion of some others, even though Krishna is himself the Purusha, he has his own independent separate existence. In light of these considerations, the statements of Mahavishnu, quote, you two are the sages Nara and Narayan, go and adhere to the observance of religious principles, dharma, and quickly return here once again to me, will be contradicted. That's the end of the paragraph. Jeeva's made a point here. The point is, all right, I understand. Some of you are just hung up on Mahavishnu being God, the supreme God, the God of all the God from which all other gods manifest. In fact, all the other gods are just manifestations of his different potencies. Basically, you're saying that Mahavishnu is Swayam Bhagavan. Okay, I'm going to show you later on that there's a deeper understanding. So he doesn't really relent, does he? He just says, I'm going to show you later on there's a deeper understanding. And now, let me go on and explain the other statements that Mahavishnu made, and we'll just go forward from there. It's a courtesy to his audience, to those in the audience may look at things in a different way. And he did warn us, didn't he? At the very beginning of the Tatva Siddharva, he did warn us in the Mangalacharna. He said, if... <laughs> This is for this is for people that are going to that are Gaudiya Vaishnavs. He knows there'll be other people like oh, Jiva Goswami. Let me read what he wrote. 
who may not be Gaudiya Vaishnavas, but he did get a warning way back in the very beginning, three Sandarbhas ago. He said, this literature is for those that accept the Gaudiya ideal, that accept Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But still, he's, he's kind and considerate. Setting aside, he continues, our other arguments, we'll set those aside, there is no account narrated anywhere in all of Mahavishnu's descent in the partial forms, amsas, of Krishna and Arjuna. Can you read that sentence again? There's no place anywhere else that this idea of Krishna and Arjuna being amsas of Mahavishnu is presented. There's no place it's presented in scripture. So let's take that into consideration here too. Jiva continues, Consequently, because we don't find a direct statement, we don't find any other statement that would support or give light to Mahavishnu's statement that you two are my kalas, we don't find that anywhere else. So how can it stand up? It has no... There's statements contrary to it we can find to, to, to contradict it, but we can't find any other statements to support it, is basically what Jeeva's saying. Consequently, to propose such a thing would be to introduce the defect of imagining as common knowledge a notion that is not established anywhere in Scripture. He's not done. He continues, additionally, in the verses themselves, there is clearly mutual contradiction between the two instructions. Now that's a giveaway, especially when you have any dis when you have any discourse. When you say contradictory things, then the way you're presenting things has to be called into question. He's speaking contradictory statements here. Because on one hand, quickly return here to me, is in his statement. You, too, quickly return here to me. And he also says, you, too, are the sages Nara and Narayan. Go and adhere to the observance of religious principles. Well, what do you want us to do? Do you want us to come back to you? Or do you want us to go and adhere to religious principles? Which is it? mutual contradiction between two instructions. He doesn't say do this and then do that. He says, quickly return here to me and you too are the sages Naran and Narayan go and adhere to the observance of religious principles, Dharma. Moreover, Jiva writes, if Krishna and Arjuna were Mahavishnu's amsas, then because he witnesses everything in existence at all times, as easily as a gem held in his own palm, he would have been able to see them too, even from afar. So this is Jiva's argument, an additional argument. This is Mahavishnu. Mahavishnu is omnipresent, omnipotent, everywhere. So, there's no question of anything happening within the jurisdiction of his material manifestation 
that he can't completely tune into because it's his creation as easily as somebody holding a gem could turn the gem and see all the different facets. So Jiva's saying, just consider this. This is Mahavishnu speaking. Well, then what's going on? He's speaking about two personalities within a, a specific universe which is under his jurisdiction and he's completely aware of everything happening within the material manifestation. It's all coming from him. So Jiva continues. So as easily as he'd hold in the palm a gemstone, he would know and be able to see everything. This, however, is contradicted by his own words. Mahavishnu admits, but I can't do that. I had the sons of the Brahmana brought here because of my intense desires to see you. It's your universe. We manifested within, you know, these two personalities manifested within his universe and he can't see them? He has to steal the sons of the Brahmana so that he gets to see Krishna and Arjuna? That's what Jiva's saying. Who's more powerful? So he's coming to a conclusion here. It is concluded, therefore, that these two personal forms of Krishna and Arjuna can be seen by Mahavishnu only if and when Sri Krishna himself makes them visible to him. Such being the case, they cannot be Mahavishnu's parts because the ability to see the two of them was absent in him. He didn't have the ability to see Krishna and Arjuna through his own power. Krishna only manifests. You can only see Krishna when he makes himself available to your vision. Even if you're Mahavishnu. Whereas the part cannot withhold its perceptibility from the whole. If Krishna and Arjuna were part of Mahavishnu, well, you could see all the parts that are within your jurisdiction. So obviously Krishna and Arjuna were not in the jurisdiction of Mahavishnu. Rather, it is being pointed out that because he had greater power, Sri Krishna is more complete than Mahavishnu. It goes on and on. And it's very nice. Because see, we, we really get to see some deep insight into just a simple Leela that we take certain things for granted. Like anything coming from Mahavishnu's lips would have to be a perfect representation of the, of the absolute truth. No, not in this context. Why? Mahavishnu's not in the position of a, of a teacher in the context of the Leela. Uh, Mahavishnu 
and on and on. And, and Jiva's unpacking all of that for us. We will continue next time we meet. Any questions? Everything's clear. It's a very interesting point, this, this hermeneutic. I mean, we see that uh, oftentimes devotees are uh, taking things out of context like that. Several examples where the context is, you know, somebody just cherry picks some verse. Yeah. And what's it do? It it creates it can create a disturbance in our understanding, a disturbance in the community of devotees. We get so how do we understand scripture? What do we do? We need to take shelter of those that are well versed in scripture and uh, you know. The admonition is there if you want to accept a bona fide spiritual master, try to find a new Tamaratakari. Of course, we're at a disadvantage, so nothing's lost, but we can see why that admonition is given by Srila Rupa Goswami in the Upadesha Amrita. You take the highest, these are the qualifications, and the, this, is, uh, this is where you should accept guidance, because otherwise, so many misunderstandings can be there. They can wreak havoc. So not not so much havoc that in due course of time we can't come back to the right understanding. If time is of the essence and you want to maximize the opportunity at hand and proper hearing is necessary and proper hearing should be done from proper proper teachers. Srila Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur gives a nice commentary in that regard. Satam Prasanga to that verse he gives a commentary we should hear from the from the para devotees. If we hear from the para devotees Vishwanath says in this commentary to that verse that they will pull you through the stages from Bhajana Kriya to Anartha Nivriti to Nista to Ruchi to Asakti to Prem. They'll pull you just by hearing from them. Their association and the words will pull you up in your spiritual understanding quickly through the preliminary stages of Sadhana Bhakti, bringing you up to the platform of Prem. Then he goes on to say, hearing from other devotees is Bhajana Kriya. Bhajana Kriya is certainly good, but if you want to really make firm and rapid advancement, then you need to hear from the from the Uttama Adhikari. He's able to pull you up a lot quicker. All right? Thank you. Thank you for your association. <laughs>